You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Vicky back with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tamara Beckford. She is an emergency medicine physician in Houston, Texas. She helps small businesses to get their employees healthy for their non-emergent issues so they can get successfully back to work. I'm so excited to have you join us here today. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Looking well, forward us. to this conversation. Yes. <laughs> I'd love for you to tell us more about your journey into emergency medicine. Oh, wonderful, of course. So my journey to emergency medicine, actually emergency medicine itself started in undergrad. Um, I, while in undergrad, I volunteered um, at, in an ER. I actually didn't even know emergency medicine existed as a specialty at that time because I used to do summer programs and I would get paired with some doctors. And this time I heard about emergency medicine. I said, wow, that sounds interesting. So I asked if I can get paired up with an ER doc. And like they said, it was love at first sight. (laughs) So um, once I paired up with a doctor, I actually shadowed um, Oh, it was a female physician too. Now I think about it. Her name is Dr. Shapiro. And this was in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I shadowed her and there were a lot of things I liked about emergency medicine. Um, I liked the way she interacted with her patients. Um, she was able to get them comfortable in a very short period of time. You're in times when, you know, you're the most uncomfortable it's emergency medicine. You don't want to be in the ER. Um, in addition, um, her personality was just so light and airy. And I said, wow, her personality seems to fit with my personality. I said, I, I think I might like this. And from then on, I kept it in mind and I worked towards achieving that goal of being an ER doc. Mm-hmm. And what helped you differentiate? So I can remember one of my mm-hmm. earliest rotations was with a plastic surgeon and mm-hmm. I never, ever considered it. And I just was enthralled and I had never been so excited to go home and read on these rotations. And what Mm -hmm. I realized over time and over rotations that I really just totally appreciated her, right? She was a mom and she was in this space where there were a few female physicians. She was a DO. And so I began to say, okay, I can respect, right, what she's doing Mm -hmm. and not need to do it. So how did you find that it wasn't just this mentor, which can be so powerful, right? To see someone who's like you in that space. What kept you coming back to know that it really was for you? Actually, that's a great question, Um, because what you just mentioned, that's how I felt when I was on my OB rotation. I said, wow, I really, really like this. And then I started noticing that I was saying that a lot. (laughs) I really like this, you know, rotation. OB, I really like this rotation, internal medicine, geriatrics. I really liked it. So what made me realize is that after a while, 
I needed the variety. So I liked all of those rotations, but I needed the variety of the next one. And emergency medicine gave me all that I wanted (laughs) in one shot. So I got to do a little bit of OB. I got to do a little bit of um, internal medicine, um, geriatric medicine. I I see a lot of old patients and I love the geriatric population. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually, I was, that almost pulled me. My last Mm -hmm. rotation in med school, I had to sit and I had to make that decision. And I'm like, I love geriatric, um, but I see a lot of my geriatric patients in the ER. So that's good for me. That fills my soul, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pediatrics and so on. So emergency medicine allowed me to really, like I said, fill my soul with all the different specialties that I ended up liking, but then I didn't see myself doing that one only. I needed mm-hmm. the variety. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned being inspired by the comfort and connection that your original mentor demonstrated. How were you able to bring that forward into your work in the emergency room? So that's something that I get to do every day um, in the ER. And it really is amazing seeing the process at work. Um, you know, I have, especially with patients who you can visibly see who are so closed off they're nervous, um, they're shy. And I go in and I say something, you know, to brighten their day, Um, you know, give them a compliment, you know, listen, sit at their bedside. Uh, You know, if they're patients that like to be touched, I'll hold their hands. Um, Like I said, like my geriatric patients, I hold my geriatric patients' hands and I talk to them and I listen. And, you know, sometimes I allow them to go on and talk. Mm-hmm. Because people like to be heard. So I allow that to happen. Plus, it allows me to pull a lot of info out of them that they probably otherwise would not have um, given me. So the whole um, experience of being with that mentor and shadowing um, Dr. Shapiro, I learned a lot of those little techniques. And then part of it is also personality driven. Um, I love making people feel comfortable anyway. So it all works and ties together in me being effective and to be able to efficiently pull the information I need from my patients and then they feel comfortable enough to allow me to take great care of them. So it works Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) I love that you brought those two words forward, effective and efficient, because sometimes we think caring and listening and holding a hand is slow, right? It's inefficient. It's not practical. It doesn't meet the metrics. And we could talk for a long time about those. (laughs) But hearing you say that it actually lends itself to that, right? You get a better history, right? You actually get the information you need. And probably, right, our sense of time can be skewed where it seems like it's taking forever, but really Mm -hmm. it probably isn't. And we're actually Mm -hmm. getting some good value for that time. So how do you address that? And have you run into that as a problem or a challenge? You know, you're spending too much time with patients. We hear that a lot from our colleagues in a wide variety of specialties. Absolutely. So it's a, I think there's a balance that occurs where you have to be able to determine when you can spend that extra time and when you can't. There are some patients who they can just give you all this info quickly. And then there are some patients who you have to spend the extra time. And it's up to you as the provider to determine when you can do both, right? Throughout your day. I mean, time is fixed, the continuum. It's it's a fixed um, time-space continuum. 
there are times when you can spend time and extra time with patient A and patient B might not require as much time, but your, your shift in total is fixed, but you're able to still see all the patients within that time frame. The biggest part is for you to be able to gain your patient's trust and however you're able to do so, that's up to you to use as many skills and technique as possible to gain their trust so that you can take great care of them. Mm-hmm. And I love that you keep bringing that through, you know, give great care. And I think mm-hmm. even having the thought behind it of I'm going to spend the right amount of time to give mm-hmm. great care. And that might be, Absolutely. you know, three minutes with one patient and mm-hmm. 10 minutes with another, but that it's allowed to be different, right? There doesn't have to be this very rigid framework within Absolutely. that structure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a bit more mm-hmm. about moving toward helping small businesses get their employees healthy. How does that come from your work in the emergency room? So with uh, one of the um, reasons that I started looking towards trying to help small businesses, and I've been, um, I started uh, telemedicine urgent care. And with uh, the reasoning to get it into telemedicine urgent care in the first place is working in the ER, I noticed that I'll see um, patients, especially um, during the odd hours, we call those odd hours at night, around the 2, 3 a.m., the patients who are there, and they're there for medical issues that you feel like, I can really take care of this patients in through, well, they're the two to three minute patients because it's very Mm -hmm. quick. There's something that you can really have done and you're asking, well, you know, why are you here in the middle of the night in a non-judgmental way either? You know, Mm -hmm. you're just really trying to understand what's going on in their life that made them have to leave their home. So after finding out from these patients that, you know, it's things such as um, the time my doctor's office is closed and I work at the same time my doctor works mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, or I don't have any insurance and you know I am trying to alleviate this issue as quickly as possible so that I can get back to work in the morning. So I thought maybe this is a way for me to help those patients in an economical way and also a convenient way. And a lot of these patients, um, some of them, they have small businesses themselves. So they are either they'll have um, like small catering companies or they might own restaurants or um, they might be stylists or barbershops. Mm -hmm. You know, when you own your own business and you are either the boss or you have um, a, a group of employees that you aren't able to um, provide health insurance for them, it's important that these patients and your, well, these employees at that point um, can be able to get great care, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's for non-emergent issues, they can still right. stay at home, get seen, be able to go back to bed, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so that they can wake up rested to go to work. If you are the owner of the small business, it's important that you're not using your entire month's profit in one ER visit mm-hmm. because of the fact you felt you had no alternative. So that's what made me um, decide to start my telemedicine urgent care and to try to help these small businesses. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned for non-emergent issues, how do you help individuals delineate that? You know, So what is good mm-hmm. use of a telemedicine visit and mm-hmm. what is worthy of coming into the ER? So what I have done is I've done that in a couple aspects. One, I have 
put a lot of details <laughs> in the website to enable patients to see what are some of the emergent things and what are not. So not only does it say a urinary tract infection, but it describes what it is. And it says that if you have these symptoms, then yes, it's good. You can be seen um, through the telemedicine urgent care. But the same thing for shortness of breath or mild asthma attacks. We know that asthma is something that can get very, very, very bad. And you can have a complicated version where you need emergent treatment. However, you might have a mild version where you can get urgent treatment. So it's really well explained. And in addition to that, I tried to provide videos <laughs> in where I do educate the general population about uh, the mild version of things and the emergent version of things so that they can make the great decision if you are at the point where you can be safely treated through telemedicine or if you need to go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And have you found the patients are receptive to that? Do they engage with and utilize that information you've cultivated for them on your website? So, yes, I have um, noticed that they do like that. And I, even in the emergency room, at times to explain things to patients, as we talked about that time continuum, unfortunately, the times that we are in as physicians, we're not allowed the extended period of time to really go through something for 30 minutes. So I've been able to use some of the videos that I have to help patients. For example, um, and this is not pertaining to the telemedicine portion, but just medicine in general. I've had a patient with a stroke, um, you know, came in. We know that some of these these medical issues, such as stroke, chest pains, heart attacks, they're time dependent. You're, you know, as soon as a patient hits the ER or the facility, the everyone's being timed. <laughs> mm -hmm. So after the tr you're having to time and you have to explain to the patient, listen, you have to make this decision right now, whether you want this clot busting medication, these are the risk factors. And I mean, the risk factors are immense. You know, it can help mm -hmm. you, but it can also harm you. So mm -hmm. in the end, after patients are making these decisions, the patient in the end said, what exactly is a stroke? Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you're explaining it to them, but you still do not have the 25 minutes to go through the entire thing. Luckily, I have a video that explains exactly what a stroke is, where the treatment plan, it goes over everything that I did talk to the patient about. And, you know, so they and their family members sat next to them. And I said, OK, I'm going to go over this again. But here's the video. I went back and they said, oh, I understand everything that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is providing that information. So yes, they are receptive to the info that's mm -hmm. there. And you're able to provide it in their language. It's even better. Yeah, video is such a powerful medium. So they hear it from you. They can replay it, right? They can share it with a loved one. They can reference some of the words. It's such an mm -hmm. amazing way. And we do notice we often will say, right? Some things we do say over and over again, be able mm -hmm. to capture it in that way and offer that resource. That's really powerful. Absolutely. Have you seen that helpful for you with those patients in the emergency room as well? So it sounds like you're referencing these in both spaces for your Correct. urgent telemedicine patients and to say, and even in the emergency room, here's a reference point and you Absolutely. can learn more from this. Yes, mm -hmm. I actually um, just two days ago had a young um, patient in the 30s, a male whose um, blood pressure has just been like sky high, you know? You ask, do you have a family history? You know, you go through the 
all the standard questions that we usually ask. And then they start explaining why high blood pressure is important for you to get under control. And so I asked, you know, have you ever listened? How, do you understand what's going on? Yeah, kind of. You know, there are times when patients say yes, but you can see it in their eyes that they really don't completely understand. So I asked, well, what medium is your um, social media of choice? Instagram. Okay, all right, let's get on Instagram. I said, I've made some videos about high blood pressure and why it's important for you to get it under control and also what is high blood pressure. You know, people just hear it, but they don't understand why it's important and what exactly it is and how does it cause the um, damage to the body. They just hear it's bad for you and that's it. Mm -hmm. So had him go through and I had him watch a video. I came back to check on him. He said, oh, I actually watched six videos because, you know, and I said, wow, <laughs> that was good because my videos are, you know, I think there, I have some smaller ones, but I have the extensive ones that are around 15, 20 minutes long. But he might've watched some long videos and some short videos, but overall he says, yeah, this makes so much sense. Now I understand why now, you know, and I said, alrighty, so this is effective. You're understanding what's going on um, based on these videos. So you're willing to sit and listen and, you know, willing to pass that information on to other family members. So it's effective in that respect. And so much, maybe not easier, but more likely that we're going to implement a change if we have a reason for it, if we have the motivation, if we have clarity of understanding rather than just the order, right? Just do this, you know. Correct. And that's exactly what I said to him. I said, you know, if you understand why I'm saying all this, you're more likely to make an effective change. If Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, you need to take your blood pressure medicine because for this particular situation, this gentleman, he was in the emergency room um, a week or so prior. Mm-hmm. And um, he was seen, had um, the blood pressure was high, was given prescription for blood pressure medication, started the medication. And the typical, I felt better, so I stopped mm-hmm. taking it as yeah prescribed. So I had to explain that, you know, although you feel better, it's important for you to continue taking it. And it it really resonated once he saw what could happen versus just being told it can happen. You know, what, what you saw the video, once you saw the slides, once mm-hmm. you heard the um, a more detailed explanation that made sense to you and your lifestyle, then you're more likely to adhere. <laughs> Absolutely. And what I hear in there as well is you're doing some prevention and education. We don't always associate that with the emergency room. You're ruling out the life-threatening conditions. You're stabilizing people. You're triaging them either to an admit or to a discharge. And does it feel like you're able to expand maybe and still be appropriate with your scope of practice there to give patients more of this education and engagement? I think it's a part of my, um, well, it's a part of us as doctors, right? Doctor is the Latin word to, you know, is a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So it's part of our um, goals as doc. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, we aren't able to do it as much as we would like. Mm-hmm. Um, having this additional medium of having these videos that are prepared and having um, this, I guess, this time within our life right now where everyone's on social media in some respect, at least greater than 90 percent. And um, they're willing to you're sitting in the emergency room anyway. 
So you can sit and watch TV, or if your TV is non-functional in, you know, one of the ERs that is non-functional, then you're sitting and staring at the four walls or you're Mm -hmm. scrolling through social media. If this is something that resonates with you and you're already nervous about it, um, you're trying to figure out what's going on, and then you're hearing, hey, you know, there's a video that you can watch about this, then patients are more apt to watch the videos. I've noticed this a couple times. You know, I have another story. Mm-hmm. I yeah, have, um, I love it. Yes, I had a a young lady um, who came in with her mom. So she was around 18 or so, between 16 and 18 years old. And, you know, she had a urinary tract infection that, well, actually now it was a pyelonephritis. So the urinary tract, you know, gone up to the kidney area. So the mom was there, I, I started to explain. I said, you know, this is what was going on. And I said, oh, you know, I have a video on it if you'd like to watch. Mom says, sure. And then the mom says, oh, you know, I'm in nursing school and I'm doing all these things online and it's just so hard to understand everything that's going on. So I said, all right, no problem. Watch the video and then I'll be back. When I returned, the mom started to explain everything to me and then I got additional information. So mm-hmm. mom looks at her daughter and she says, hmm, on Wednesday, you bought cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. So you were having these symptoms, but you never mentioned it, did you? And the daughter says, yeah, I thought I can just, you know, get rid of it, such and such. And mom says, so at that point, you had the urinary tract infection. But since we didn't know, and then she starts to just explain everything. And I said, wow, this is so powerful. You understand now the difference. And she says, yes, you know, so there, there is some um, insight that occurs with understanding what's going on within your body. And I think it is making a little bit of difference one patient at a time. Yeah. But even there, it feels like you've kind of multiplied yourself a bit, right? So you can leave them with you, educating them by this video and go see the next mm-hmm. patient. So even we talk about the fixed time continue, but you've kind of created a little bit of you know a, a time warp. <laughs> in there in a great way. So we can often feel, you know, alone in the air that it's taking forever. No one's paying attention to me, but there you're you're being attentive by having in advance, right. Made this educational video for them. That's really amazing. Oh yeah. I I love doing the videos too. So it helps. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm curious, as you talk about helping the businesses get their employees healthy, I like to think about the concepts of health on a broader scale. Do you mm-hmm. notice, have you gotten feedback on the health of their business? You know, so we would think that a healthy mm-hmm. workforce would help bottom lines of businesses, which is still, you know, that's how we measure really the health of a business, both culture, but also sustainability. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that? Are you getting feedback, you know, that people can stay engaged? Like you said, they can rest and return to work more efficiently. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't gotten any feedback as yet, but I be, and that's only because it's the beginning but mm-hmm. I know that it's making effective change. So that is on my list to really get back to these businesses and seeing how, you know, can I help? Have mm-hmm. I been helping? And if not, is there anything that I can tweak in order to mm-hmm. help? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. And to be at the beginning is where we always must start and to know that Absolutely. that's a potential there, you know, and just mm-hmm. seeing that the health of the business really can be influenced with the health of the employees. And as you know, person who myself has employed others in self-employed, mm-hmm. so powerful to have that access point and have yes. those same thoughts, right? You know, it's, it's, and it's always 2 a.m., isn't it? When you think, should yes. I take my kid in, you know, <laughs> or, or could I actually reach out, you know, and have this, this resource made available Absolutely. to me? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And is this available just within Texas or what is your uh, potential mm-hmm. service area for patients? 
So yes, I'm available in Texas and New Jersey at this time. Mm-hmm. Hoping and, to expand. <laughs> yeah. And what hours do you tend to keep? What have you found to be most effective for this telemedicine service? So due to the fact that I am still working full-time in the ER, I have found that um, on the latter half of the week, such as from Thursdays through Sundays, have been good. Mm -hmm. But I have had some patients who've contacted me outside of those hours, and I don't mind. I'll open up the portal and see Mm -hmm. them. Yes. That's pretty amazing to have that access to you. Mm-hmm. So you brought this through since your opening with talking about your mentor and hearing the importance of seeing the person body, mind, and spirit, right? When they're nervous, you know, while you're addressing these acute physical issues, we have to also take into consideration their whole experience. How have you found serving body, mind, spirit to be helpful for you in the ER and perhaps even for yourself? It's always helpful to see how we are taking care of ourselves as the example mm-hmm. for our patients as well. So body, mind, and spirit, it is, I explain to patients, you know, when we're telling them things um, like, hey, you know, part of the reason why your pressure is high, yes, stress is a part. But I also acknowledge, I said, listen, we are living in a time of pandemic. I'm not going to say these words lightly. Um, You know, I understand and I myself am experiencing it. I mean, I haven't seen my parents in one year because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So um, body, mind, and spirit, part of it is really just letting our patients know and empathizing with what's going on with them while you're trying to help to put together a good treatment plan. Right. I try to not have my treatment plan be a dictatorship <laughs> plan. It's not just do, 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 do. It's Try your best and document. And that's one of the things I always say. I said, if you would like to, you know, get off these meds or if you would like to have these changes, do whatever it is that you're trying to do, but document so that you can have some type of goal and you can see if what you're doing is effective. And then you work together with your primary care doctor, your specialist, or so so on. So I think in not telling your patient just no, no, no all the time, it helps to open up the possibility um, for them because they've lost autonomy to this, whatever diseases that, mm-hmm. you know, that they've been inflicted on. So if they're trying to uh, um, have or gain back a- any sense of autonomy, you have to allow that. How do you allow it? by allowing them to take little steps towards positive um, changes in their lives and also acknowledging that it's challenging. Now, how does this happen with me? The same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I have to acknowledge that there are big changes that have occurred in my life, especially within this last um, year and a half, right? Well, I guess now it's a year and two months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm an ER doc in a time where there's a pandemic, where no one in our specialty, first of all, our specialty did not exist um, during the f- pandemic of the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a way for you to say, well, based on our last pandemic, these are the guidelines yeah. and this is how you follow. We're doing this as we go along. Mm-hmm. This is a specialty that's the high stressful specialty. Mm-hmm. And just that baseline, you're used to having, you know, every once you have the high acuity patients, 
Now, on top of that, even your low acuity patient might still have a, an underlying high acuity because they could still have COVID even though they don't appear sick. So it's hard to balance it, but you have to find ways. So the ways that I found were through community, mm-hmm. networking groups, um, putting myself out there through social media, things that I would never have done. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about an introvert. I'm very private, but I've learned how to, even the videos that I just, that I have been mentioning throughout this conversation, I would usually, um, you know, explain and go through these things with my patients, but putting it on video, that's so permanent. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would never do it, but I found it helps to release some of my stress. And Mm -hmm. so that's how I'm doing it personally for myself. Yes. Yeah, that's so helpful. And what I hear in there too is another osteopathic tenet of structure and function. So you're finding these Mm -hmm. frameworks to allow things to work better, right? So you're saying emergency medicine, right? We're lacking some of this structure for some of these small businesses or for those Mm -hmm. individuals who are coming here. So you put in place the structure of your telemedicine and the videos become part of that. And Mm -hmm. what a brilliant way to bring that together and to expand your reach and I and to expand your time. I'm really fixed on this. I'm like, you have, you've totally made time <laughs> bigger for yourself. I love it. Thank you. Another thing I've heard in there, just when you gave that example of the mom who's in nursing school and being able to watch your video and then explain it, both the importance are as physicians of finding out what people actually do understand. Cause they'll often, like you said, nod, right. And they'll say, sure, mm-hmm. I, I get it. But when you have them tell you so different, And also you trusted her capacity, right, to learn Mm -hmm. and to understand and to be part of the team. And that inherent self-healing capacity is a big part of what we do. How do you find you tap into that, you know, again, with your patients? That was one way. Do you notice that's really a focus for you, bringing them on board in your treatment? Absolutely. I love bringing my patients on board in my treatment. The first half of my treatment is usually the explanation. And the second half is us working together, you know, Mm -hmm. and I find that in doing so before they leave, they appear (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I mean, they appear to be more understanding of and um, of why the treatment plan is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear them explaining it to their family members, um, you know, via telephone because of the fact that we have blue restriction now due to COVID mm-hmm. and they understand, um, because they're explaining it. So with bringing the patients in on a treatment plan, I think it brings them a little bit more at ease. And that's what we mentioned. You know, it's the emergency department. You've lost its medicine period. Once you step Mm -hmm. into our realm, Mm -hmm. on our side as docs, you've lost, you feel as if you've lost all autonomy as a patient. So when you get to work together and understand why these steps are being done, then it brings you a little bit more at ease. And then you feel you've got gained back some of the autonomy because now you can ask questions to clarify things and feel at ease once I leave that, you know, through those doors, then you can cross your legs because yes, now I feel comfortable. Now I know why this is being done. Yeah. And I, I'm ready. I don't want to go to the ER, but I'd like to go to your ER (laughs) and feel welcomed and engaged and heard and given these resources. Thank you for providing that. No problem. As we weave all of this together, how would you say you see yourself for the health of all things? So I see myself in continuing to provide education and um, it's something that I love to do. And uh, 
as I said, oh my gosh, video is so permanent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it is something that in doing it on video and not just holding it to myself, it's really bringing one person to a mass. And mm-hmm. so it's, and uh, I have now, I have the ability to really bring forth one, not just the information, but through my personality and also being able to bring it to patients on a level where they feel comfortable and that they understand enough to pass it on to other family members. So mm-hmm. that's my part. And um, I'm enjoying it. I'm embracing it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so important. And so fantastic that it is accessible broadly. So while your patients might be in Texas and New Jersey, that information could be anywhere. You know, that is the power (laughs) of the permanence and the publicity of video. So thank you for doing that. And please do tell us where we can find you in the virtual world and in the geographic world. So in the virtual world, I am on a couple of social media platforms and I've also provided um, this information, the same videos I have it on a a podcast and they're all at the same handle, which is you are caring docs. So it's your caring docs. You are C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S. So on to book an appointment if you're in New Jersey or if you're in Texas, it's www.U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S. If you're on Facebook, it's the Your Caring Docs Facebook. If it's um you're on Instagram, similar. And then also if you're on podcast. If you're on Spotify or if you're looking it up, it's the U-R-T-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S, similarly on YouTube. So all this info is available (laughs) through those medium. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll link to that in the show notes, of course. So I so appreciate your time here today and and all the work you've been doing, creating this information to educate patients on a broad scale. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.